you about Marvin Bagley Jr. I told you about James Wiseman. I told you about Jaden Ivey, Kate Cunningham. Are you kidding me? Look, when you lose 27 games in a row in the NBA to set an all-time record, we got to talk about this as I'm live from 6th and Peabody with Molly, with Brooke, with Tyler. We got a party going on right here with a bunch of moonshine. We'll be right back. Don't at me. Starts right now. Calling all outkick people. It starts January 3rd. That's right, January 3rd. The only place to catch all these great shows is at outkick.com. That's right. Don't at me, outkick.com. All the beautiful people of outkick, all you got to do is go to outkick.com, click on the watch tab, and next thing you know, you got all our great shows. Of course, on YouTube, you can still catch us, all the high, all the videos that are fit to print. We will have them there. Don't miss a beat. Outkick.com slash watch will be your one-stop shop for all things Outkick. That's Outkick.com slash watch. Look, I don't think this is getting enough talk. I don't think this is getting enough play. I understand that we're not allowed to criticize NBA players because, well, Black Lives Matter was on the court and the majority are African-American and we just can't, we can't criticize them. My ass, we can't. I'll tell you right now, 27 consecutive losses. Now, you got to understand something. The NBA media is totally in pocket with NBA players. The NBA media wants to go to the club with Harden. The NBA media wants to be down with the fellas. Well, I got to tell you something. The NBA media, I don't know how you don't make this a bigger story. This is one of the funniest things ever. And I got to tell you, as we go through the roster, i kind of a genius once again. I caught all kind of hell from Krzyzewski and... Duke fans for telling you that Marvin Bagley Jr. was all about himself. Guess who plays on the Pistons? Marvin Bagley Jr. Remember Marvin Bagley Jr.? He came late to Duke, and Wendell Carter's mommy got mad, and I did a game at Virginia Tech, and, well, frankly, I was bored with Sean McDonough working. It was like, eh. So I thought I'd say what I was actually thinking, which is Marvin Bagley sucks. Marvin Bagley's good enough to get you fired. Marvin Bagley, my ass. And Shashevsky had to answer. Bagley had to go, well, you know, I don't pay attention to what people say. Shut up. How about James Wiseman on this crew? Remember James Wiseman? Oh, he's the number one player in the country. Uh, so good that Penny Hardaway and others cheated to get the guy. They went on a little bit of a, a little taste of probation. I mean, look at this cast of clowns. Jaden Ivey, everybody that knows anything about basketball knew that Jaden Ivey was full of crap. Everybody knew. Now, maybe he'll grow into, maybe this entire team will grow into being actual human beings, but these guys suck. Now, they're young. They are. They're young, and I'll give them that. But Bagley, good enough to get you fired. Ivy, Purdue's been better since Ivy left. Not a true story. They've been better since Ivy left. Kate Cunningham, oh, man, he's great. He's going to change the world. He's averaging 23. It's not his fault. Look, somebody scores on a horse bleep team. I just don't think it's getting enough talk. You can blame the owner all you want. But 27 losses. I'm going to say that that's a month's worse. That's over a month worse. All right. So now people are mad at the owner. Because, well, we can't be mad at the little players. I mean, how can we be? The players are never at fault. It's never the players' fault. No. God, no. No, it's got to be the owner. 
Well, all the owner did was buy the team and keep it there. You know the last time the Pistons won a game? Molly, Brooke, do you know? Do you know the date today? Today's like, what, the 28th? Last time they won a game, ladies and gentlemen, was Saturday, October 28th. That means all through November, all through December, they lost. Now, I got to tell you something. Losing a couple games, five, six games in a row in the MAC almost killed me. They got the sleepiest coach in the world. Monty Williams, greatest guy ever. Yeah, okay, I get it. Monty Williams, greatest guy, got screwed with the sun. Sure he did. Monty Williams half asleep all the time. Look, I got, I just, there, there's not enough, there's not enough here. There's just not enough. We got to talk more about it. I refuse to let 27 in a row go. I don't care if none of you people like the, uh, care even a little bit about what's going on with the Pistons. It's just too good. It is just too good. So anyway, so now we're mad at the owner. All right. We're mad at the owner and the owner is wanting, they're wanting him to sell the team. And here's what the owner had to say. His name is Tom Gore. He just bought the team. Old man Davidson ran it for years and did a great job. He had Isaiah and he had Dumars and they made trades and they got Rodman and Sally and Lane Beer and they were the bad boys and everything was good. But here's the deal. They can say what they want, talking about selling a team, but that's ridiculous. Now, Gore's a Michigan State guy. Michigan State guys rule the NBA. Other than winning, and we should win more games, we do a lot in the community. Players, the organization, we do a lot in the community. Now, first thing I would tell the guys, cut his hair. If you put aside winning, we've made a very, very big difference in the community. That means a lot to me. I understand fans being upset, but that is a ridiculous thought. Good. See, all Detroit is doing is what Detroit does, which is mimic big cities that don't have a major crime problem, and those are few and far between, but they're just mimicking New York. The crowd, show the team. All right. Well, let's talk about it. Sell the team, Gore went on to say. They don't understand what we're doing in the community. Right, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, they don't understand what we're doing in the community. I know we have to have more wins, but we're taking care and are being in tune with the community. Me selling the team would be selling the community out. I'm not doing that to the community. When you put aside basketball, we made a big difference in the community, and that means a lot to me. All right. Well, I would say this. Cut your hair. Cut your hair and get serious about your team. No, seriously, cut your hair and get serious about your team. October 8th is the last time they won. Last night, now they stand 2-28, and 28, which is really, really funny. I, can, I, can, I, I don't know what I would tell you. I don't know what I can tell you. But I do know this. There's no pride in there. Bogdanovich, some guy named Stewart, a guy named Duran. All these guys were high-profile picks. Azur Thompson. Azur Thompson went to the Indy Ignite flight. Was a fifth player pick in the draft. Uh, yeah, nine minutes. James Wiseman, the best player. You had to pay for James Wiseman. Bagley doesn't even get off the bench anymore. Doesn't even, it's a coach's decision. Some guy named Ian Stewart. Isaiah Stewart from Washington. Man, is this a man. I love it. Uh, Jay Nivey did Jay Nivey things last night. Big game. Uh, he dropped uh, nine points. Now, Jay Nivey, aren't you supposed to at some point? Aren't you supposed to when you're, oh, I don't know, like the third player picked in the draft? Aren't you like kind of, sort of, maybe fifth player picked in the draft supposed to help a team win? Not help a team lose 27 or 28 games in a row? I can't get enough. I know. I know. 
I just can't get enough. I'll move on, but not really, because it's not making any noise anywhere, and it's the best story in sports. I don't care about Brock Purdy's four interceptions. I don't care whether or not Antonio Pierce gets the job. I care about freaking the Detroit Pistons setting an NBA record for losses. Awesome. And they did it with guys that I told you. I told you. Not one college basketball analyst could possibly know, but I told you about Ivy. I told you about Cunningham. They had to hire his brother because he was such a pain in the ass at Oklahoma State. Shut up. I told you. (laughs) Oh, man, about Wiseman, about Bagley. And you put them all together on one crap team, and now you're mad at the owner? Hey, be mad at Monty Williams. I know we can't be mad at Monty Williams. Black Lives Matter. I understand. I know we can't, but it is pretty funny to me. The greatest coach, how could they get rid of Monty Williams? Monty Williams half asleep at times. I understand the personal tragedy, but I'm not talking about that. I'm just simply talking about whether or not you're going to be a coach. And that dude's half asleep. That guy couldn't motivate blind turkeys to take a dump. Are you kidding me? Speaking of NBA, let's morph. Kevin Durant, Adrian Wojnarowski, and Josh Hawley, the uh, congressman. What do they have in common? Well, Kevin Durant went nuclear, yo. He went nuclear on Woj. Nobody's supposed to go nuclear on Woj. Woj is supposed to throw the nuke bombs, the Woj bombs, or whatever the hell bombs they are. Well, guess what? Woj reported that, uh, you know, Kevin Durant is really frustrated, blah, 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 and uh, Kevin Durant's not having it. Kevin Durant just said, no, what are you talking about? Kevin Durant basically went Woj on Woj. Here's what he had to say. You know, they can feel the frustration with Durant. Part of that certainly uh, is the missed games for Brad Beal. This team was built around those three stars. This is something... They're going to have to manage in Phoenix with Kevin Durant. You've seen it before, and it reminds you, it is a stark reminder of how short of a window and how this team has to win big, and they have to win big quickly uh, based on how it was constructed. And having Kevin Durant still playing at an all-NBA level and a healthy Kevin Durant, and there's a lot at stake for this organization. It's got... Yeah, well, Durant's not having that. You know, <laughs> these little guys like Woj are just so funny when they try to get serious. Just tell us who's trading who, Woj. We don't need to hear anything else. Just say, hey, look, this is who's making a trade. This is what's going to happen. We don't need any of the other stuff out of you, Woj. You don't know squat. And you're kind of a soft, thin-skinned little whiner. Well, here's what Durant had to say. Woj says, somebody else feels that I'm frustrated, and it turned into me being mentally checked out. That S is crazy. These people can flat-out lie in my name, make S up, and you people will believe it when my teammates and coaches speak on how I am as a teammate, you ignore it. That's true. No, that's very, very true. And as we move along, here's the deal. I love that Woj told the sitting senator to F off. Let's show that one. 
That's pretty good. Woj. From Woj to a senator. Hey, F you. There you go, Woj. Now, what I love about this, what I absolutely love about it is that that Senator Holly, guess what? In his tweets, he, look at his tweet, don't criticize China or express support for law enforcement to ESPN. It makes him real mad. Hashtag outkick. That's why I love, I love, not like, I love Senator Holly. Hey, I don't know what his background is, and I don't care. But he's right. So we got Woj in the middle dropping Woj bombs. I love when players come back at these guys, whether they're right or wrong. It really doesn't matter to me. But the fact of the matter is, um, it's just funny. It's just funny. So Woj had to apologize. It was I was disrespectful and made a regrettable mistake. I'm sorry for the way I handled myself, Woj said, and I'm reaching out immediately to Senator Hawley to apologize directly. I also need to apologize to my ESPN colleagues because I know my actions were unacceptable and should not reflect any of them. Well, good for you, Woj, but I had to sit there one time and listen to Woj talk about himself. We're getting ready to go on the air, and we're in a little back room, and whoa, well, you know, same, and I, 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 I'm like, shut up, Woj. I don't want to hear it. I don't need to hear it. Go woge yourself over there. <laughs> but anyway, good for Woj, good for uh, Durant, but the Suns do stink. And Kevin Durant is a good player, and the NBA is a bad league to watch, and I'm not going to talk about it anymore, I swear. Tell your friends to come back to the show. But the fact of the matter is this. Man. The NBA, you stinks. Uh, This is just a show of craziness. This is just a show of insanity. Did you see what happened with this guy, uh, Jair uh, Alexander? He got suspended by the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers said, yo, we're paying you millions, like highest paid corner in the country, in the NFL, in the world, in the history of the NFL. I don't know. But that's what they're doing. So this guy decides that, well, I'm from Charlotte, so I'm going to go be a captain of the team. And in being a captain of the team, because, well, the coaches didn't want him to be a captain, he didn't know what the coach had wanted. He didn't know what Matt LaFleur had already told the officials. If we get the ball, if we win, we're taking the ball. Simple. So this guy decides he is going to run out there as a captain because, well, I'm from Charlotte. Oh, okay. It, I don't care if you're from Charlotte or Nashville, Gary, Indiana, Chicago, Illinois, Joliet, Illinois, Indianapolis, Indiana, Naples, Florida. I don't care. You got to listen to the coach at some point. So this guy ran out there, and he damn near screwed up the coin toss because he's got to be the captain. Let's hear from Jair, whatever his name is, Alexander. So were you supposed to be a captain? Because the team announces the three game captains and you were the fourth and you called the toss. What happened there? Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's only suiting, you know. I don't think Coach knew I was from Charlotte, you know, so. So you just did that on your own? I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, it was like a, you know, 
the guys backed me up, you know, so they, they knew I was from here. Did you realize you almost made a big mistake on the call, though? What'd I do? Well, you said we want to go on defense. Yeah. Which, in theory, could they could have said, then you're electing to kick to, to uh, kick off, which you would have lost the opportunity then yeah. to receive in the second half. Yeah, no, I told them that, uh, I said, uh, I, want, I want our defense to be out there. And they all looked at me like I was crazy. I'm like, I mean, it's pretty simple what I said. Like, I want the defense to be out there. They're like, you mean defer? I'm like, yeah, I guess. Okay. Is there a dumber athlete than that guy? I mean, is there literally a dumber athlete? Now, we got a lot of dumb athletes. We got a lot of dumb everything. But is there a dumber athlete than that guy? Is there more? Is there a more self-involved, self-entitled athlete than that guy? Yeah, well, you know, I guess. I mean, we got to go out there, and I'm, I'm from Charlotte, and my players had my back. Well, your players are idiots. I mean, if anybody had your back on this, quote, your back, then your players are idiots. Now, seriously, we, we need to start uh, examining the colleges that guys get into. Now, we do. We need, we need to start examining. We need to say, okay, all right, now, now hold on a second here. Now, you got into college how now? And, you know, he went to Louisville, which explains a lot because Louisville is dummies retreat. Again, here's your phone. If you can breathe, and yeah, mine did make a little bit of a uh, fog on the phone. Hey, Louisville, we'll have you. We'll give you academic money. Come on in. Now, can we play that again, uh, Nick and Nick? Because this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard an athlete say, and and I I I respect athletes, but I'm starting to think that not only is our college system broke because professors are out of their mind, liberal, and everybody's out of their mind, and and people are, are, are harassing Jewish I mean, the whole thing is insane. And then you look and realize that this, this got into college at Louisville. Let, let, let's hear from this. So were you supposed to be a captain? Because the team announces the three game captains and you were the fourth and you called the toss. What happened there? Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's only suiting, you know. I don't think Coach knew I was from Charlotte, you know, so... So you just did that on your own? I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, it was like a, you know, the guys backed me up, you know, so they, they knew I was from here. Did you realize you almost made a big mistake on the call, though? What'd I do? Well, you said we want to go on defense. Yeah. Which, in theory, could they could have said, then you're electing to kick to to uh, kick off, which you would have lost the opportunity then yeah. to receive in the second half? Yeah, no, I told them that, uh, I said, uh, I want I want our defense to be out there. And they all looked at me like I was crazy. I'm like, I mean, it's pretty simple what I said. Like, I want the defense to be out there. They're like, you mean defer? I'm like, yeah, I guess. Okay. There, a, a reporter, a crumbed pizza-stained veteran of reporting, just simply said, okay. But I want to go back to the University of Louisville. How does the University of Louisville let this guy in? How do you possibly think this guy's going to do? Hey, look, we have a three to five page paper on, let's just say, I took this class, Sociology of the Family. We got a three to five page paper on Sociology of the Family, Jair, and uh, it needs to be done tomorrow. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine this guy trying to get this done? He didn't even know what defer meant. He didn't even know his own sport. He didn't know. And thankfully, the coaches and what the announcer was saying is absolutely true. What the announcer is saying, or the, uh, the, the media guy is saying, 
is that they could have taken him at his word. But the coach, LaFleur, they had had a screw-up, I guess, earlier in the year, and the coach had already gone to the officials and told them, if we get the toss, we're deferring. Now, seriously. Now, that's what, that's the level of stupid that at least Matt LaFleur knows he has on his team. But can you imagine this guy? Hey, uh, Zaire, man, we're going to, we got a group project due. We would like you to cover uh, how in the hell uh, the, the dumbest human being, the the official, I'm making it official right here on Twitter. The at don't at me, official, dumbest human being in sports is Jair, whatever the hell his name is, Alexander. And America's dumbest university, which is the University of Louisville, uh, continues to roll them out. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I, 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 what? I, I defer. I wanted a defense out there. Uh, all right. Well, uh, thank God the coach knew you were in it. Well, he didn't know I was from Charlotte. Really? Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, guess what? You almost screwed up. Can we play that one more time? I'm just fascinated by this. I'm sorry. One more time. So were you supposed to be a captain? Because the team announces the three game captains and you were the fourth and you called the toss. What happened there? Oh. oh. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, you know. It's only suiting, you know. I don't think Coach knew I was from Charlotte, you know, so. So you just did that on your own? I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, it was like a, you know, the guys backed me up, you know, so they, they knew I was from here. Did you realize you almost made a big mistake on the call, though? What'd I do? Well, you said we want to go on defense. Yeah. Which in theory could they could have said, then you're electing to kick to to uh, kick off, which you would have lost the opportunity then yeah. to receive in the second half. Yeah, no, I told them that uh, I said uh, I want I want our defense to be out there, and they all looked at me like I was crazy. I'm like, I mean, it's pretty simple what I said. Like, I want the defense to be out there. They like, you mean defer? I'm like, yeah, I guess. Okay. Seriously, are you are you high? Are you drunk? Or are you just stupid? Uh, I can't get over that. Uh, Denver Broncos head coach Sean Payton informed the team that Jared Stidham will start for the final two games of the year. This is just a weird story. Uh, benching Russell Wilson with speculation the team will move on from him. Now, you know, he's owed a boat ton of money. He really and, – and he hasn't played awful, but it seems to me – that Sean Payton understands something that very few coaches understand. I am not going to, excuse me, I am not going to win with him. So I don't want him around. It's, it's, it's literally that way, particularly in your first year. In your first year, unless things just go horribly south, but it's not going to for Payton because he has a pedigree. But the fact of the matter is, Sean Payton knows you're not winning with this guy. I'll tell you what else Sean Payton knows. Sean Payton knows this guy is a pain. 
This guy is about himself. This guy is not the same guy that was the Super Bowl winning quarterback, third round pick out of North Carolina State slash Wisconsin. This is not the same guy. This is a different guy. This is a guy that thinks he's a movie star. This is a guy that lives a glamorous life. And Sean Payton said it from jump when he said it is time for Russell Wilson to concentrate on being a football player. And frankly, they haven't seen enough out of it. And you all don't understand this. Well, guys that have listened to our show for a long time understand this. But just like the Detroit Pistons, good enough to get you fired. Good enough to get you fired. That's it. That's what Russell Wilson has become. Now, guys like RG3, man, you're not giving him the respect as a Super Bowl champ. Well, he's not the same guy that he was as a Super Bowl champ. He's not nearly the same guy. He has become something that at least Sean Payton in his first year, when you can make these kind of moves, he's become the kind of guy that you just don't want around. Now, people are saying, well, the the Raiders did that with Derek Carr and look at how it worked out. Yes, look at how it worked out. Raiders are an up-and-coming team, and Derek Carr is still doing the Derek Carr things that Derek Carr has always done. Be a fraud. But it also obviously involves money. $37 million of salary for 2025 becomes guaranteed on the fifth day of the league year. Now, if Wilson gets hurt, that is fully guaranteed. Fully. 100% guaranteed. Now, nobody needs that. Who needs that action? But the fact of the matter is, this is what Sean Payton is telling his team. In the first year, I'm not here to jackass around. I'm not here to worry about your feelings. I'm here to win. And I don't care what we're paying you. Now, you have to care a little and certainly not wanting him to get hurt in the last two days may factor in so you don't have to get or the last two games so you don't have to guarantee that but the truth of the matter is this Peyton understands what it takes to win and more so than any of you out there or any NFL fans he understands that you got to have a quarterback but what Peyton knows is Russell Wilson ain't it And you're not going to hear this anywhere else. You're going to hear everybody make excuses relative to what? You're going to hear them make excuses relative to the cap. And I'm sure there is some of that. But I'll tell you this, Sean Payton is now at the end of his career. This is it for him as a head coach. Like, it isn't, hey, look, you know what, win a few and we'll – no, this is it. He had his run with Drew Brees. He's having his run now, and that'll be it. He'll go back to Fox or maybe he'll just retire. I don't know. So this isn't like some guy really wants to straighten out an organization. Sean Payton wants to win, period. And he knows Wilson ain't the guy. And if you're going to do something, you do it now. You do it in your first year. Now, here's the problem long-term. Who is the guy? That's always the problem. Who's the guy? Who are you going to get that is going to be the guy that can win you games? That's the bigger problem. Because I don't know if you saw last night. I don't know if you did or I don't know if you didn't last night. But there was a quarterback for USC. 
USC quarterback yesterday threw not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six. Yes, six. Six touchdown passes. More than Caleb Williams. Guy's name is Miller Moss. Caleb Williams, I was driving listening to the game. And Pete Arbogast is the longtime voice of the USC Trojans. And Pete Arbogast knows better than to criticize the stars in modern college football. But he said something really interesting. This, talking about USC's offense, looks a lot like what Lincoln Riley's offense with Baker Mayfield and others should look like. Not what we saw with Caleb Williams doing his own thing. So the question becomes, do you want a guy like Caleb Williams who's going to do his own thing? Do you want a guy like Drake May who may be the next Mitchell Trubisky or he may be the next Tom Brady? Hell, I don't know. But that's your problem. It always looks great when you're the coach and you're laying down the hammer and it's either the end of your first year when you're really laying it down like uh, like Peyton is or it's in the springtime where you're as a college coach, you're getting rid of guys, you're setting the culture, you're doing all those things. It's always great until when? Until when? Until you got to play the game. And when you got to play the game, all of a sudden you look around and you're like, whoa, wait a second here. I ain't got no quarterback. Or my quarterback is Jared Stidham. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want Jared. Whoa, 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 whoa. I can't win with Jared Stidham. I'm just telling you. But good for him. And I'm telling you, man, you know what is starting to happen? And I don't know if this is actually starting to happen or it's kind of sort of maybe starting to happen. And we saw it with the Colts, you Colts fans, getting rid of Darius Leonard, who, by the way, let me morph into Darius Leonard. Darius Leonard is now whining because he had seven tackles because he ran up on plays. Darius Leonard is now saying the Colts did him dirty. Darius Leonard is the guy that faked the deal at a Chipotle. Darius Leonard is a guy that every single human being with half a brain wore, got wore out by him in hard knocks. And Darius Leonard was the guy that really Shane Steichen couldn't wait to get rid of. And he shouldn't have couldn't wait to get rid of. But guess what? The Colts treated the guy like gold. They said great things about him. They gave him a suite to watch the game. They did all these great things. They paid him a ton of money. Now, Darius Leonard was disrespected. Shut up, Darius Leonard. You're giving me gas. And I don't need gas. I took Tums this morning. Pretty good down there right now. Nah, I'm pretty good. Making me crazy. Uh, Spirit Airlines is facing heavy criticism after mistakenly putting an unattended six-year-old on the wrong flight. Yeah, the family is pursuing legal action. Look, I get it. I guess I'd try to sue, too. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, six-year-olds are awfully young. Um, I think maybe, maybe you ought to say, hey, I'm just glad the dude is, is, is home. But to say I'm going to sue, I don't know. I guess that's what we're supposed to do, isn't it? Aren't we all supposed to sue? I think we are. But I don't want to. I feel bad for everybody. Like, it was always, you know how you have in your life, like, things that scare the living hell out of you? Flying alone as a kid scared the hell out of me. I I didn't like it. I, I didn't like it at all. I didn't like it because, well... I don't know. Um, 
something like this might happen. So this kid gets on a flight. The family of a six-year-old who was put on a wrong flight wound up hundreds of miles from his final destination is considering legal action. Maria Ramos says she's still waiting for answers after her grandson, Casper, was put on the wrong flight while traveling by himself from Philly to, oh, to Fort Myers. All right. Come on. You have cameras all over the place. You have cameras in your plane. You have cameras all over. Telling me you don't know what happened to Casper five days later. It's under investigation. How do you make it on another flight? How do you end up in Orlando? They have no idea. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you, lady. We got no idea. Ramos, who says she was listed as a boy's emergency contact, says she never got a call from the airline notifying her. I'll bet you something here. I'll bet you. I'll bet you that the lady screwed something up. I'm not saying spirit's wrong, but there's always a backstory, ladies and gentlemen. And when I say always a backstory, I mean there is always a backstory. Always. Not sometimes. Always. Uh, Spirit, you're going to have to pay a little money. Ms. Ramos is pissed. The airline allows unaccompanied minors, got to be between 5 and 14, to travel across the United States on direct flights. You might want to revisit that. Like, I don't know. You might want to revisit it. I'm not having much compassion today. That was always scared me. I don't want to be a six-year-old that's on a flight. Like, hey, scared to die. I didn't even like leaving home. I didn't even want to go to college. I'm like, yeah, I'll just live right here. Now you can't, you know, get me to stay home. All right. Hey, one of my favorites, Lane Kiffin. We've been trying to get Lane Kiffin on the show forever. He's not happy about the transfer portal. Now, he is the king, ladies and gentlemen, of NIL. He is the king, ladies and gentlemen, of the transfer portal. He's the king. Got all these guys coming in, right? He's not happy about the timeline. He makes it clear. Pointing to Florida State. Hey, look, terrible system. No other. I wouldn't think any other sports, professional sports, have ever set up a system where free agency starts. This is so true. While the season is still going on, it really makes no sense. You can leave. You can stay. You can go to other places. Coaches can call you. Our season is still going. It would be like before the NFC or AFC playoffs that start in a couple weeks. All of a sudden, hey, free agency the week before opens up so you can start recruiting other people's players, fly them on trips, and get them to transfer. He is so right about that. Again, I was listening last night to broadcasts of football games. I was listening to the Louisville game. Uh, I was listening to the, well, that was the USC game. I was listening to the Oklahoma State game, and they kept talking about this guy's in the transfer portal, but now he's going to come back. Well, he was in the transfer portal, but now he's going to come back. I'm like, well, what? how is it possible that you can start free agency, which is exactly what this is, because there is money involved, there is transferring There is going to another school. There is having your pick. There is sitting back and fielding offers. That's what's going on in college football. How is it possible that it is going on during your season? Look, I understand that every white guy that ever worked at the NCAA or in in some type of administration and the media is all upset with themselves and has guilt. And we got to bend over backwards for players. I get it. I do. I swear. But the fact of the matter is you're going a little overboard here. 
I get it. Little Joey Bag of Donuts needs more money. Yay, Rod, go fight win. I get it. Little Joey Bag of Donuts needs to be able to transfer and do whatever he wants whenever he wants. I get it. Yay, Rod, go fight win. But I don't get being so ridiculous that you allow this during the season. Coaches all across the country warned about this. They did. They warned. They said, look, this is going to be open season on my players. And they were 100% right. And then the player, I mean, these dudes can barely, I mean, honest to God, and they get a choice of whether they're going to go to whatever school. How do these guys get in those schools? Man, oh, man. So you're just going to sit there and you're going to tell me, well, you know, uh, Zaire, Jair Alexander, well, you know, he, uh, uh, he's got his pick of schools. The dude can barely speak. And yet he's, well, I'm going to get into USC's media school or maybe I'll go to Newhouse. Are you kidding me? What is wrong with it? This is the dumbest. I am so in on Lane Kiffin with this. It is exactly like, hey, the Colts got a big game coming up this weekend. But we don't know whether the quarterback, the wide receiver, is going to play in the AFC championship game because, well, they can go play for the Bills. Huh? It is idiotic. But again, we must kiss the backside of 18 to 23 years old, or else we will continue with our white boy guilt, I guess. I got no guilt for any of it. We treat people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. And I got to tell you, huh? (laughs) Hey, uh, last thing before we go to break, uh, our friend Sage Steele, she came at ESPN pretty good. She's like, hey, look, they told me not to talk about Leah Thomas. They told us and others because some women at ESPN were upset with Sage's stance. Let me tell you the story of ESPN women. Stephanie Drooley was a vice president. She was all mad because I said that I would, quote, not go at it in a pool with a professor because she wasn't my wife. And there's no chance I'm ever doing that just to so she's mad, Stephanie Drooley. She calls me up, and she says, you know, Dan, the women of ESPN are mad. And I'm like, yeah, good for the women of ESPN. I got to tell you, one of your most famous married two kids, college basketball reporters, is Stuppen, the Indy Star columnist here, who's married with two kids. I really don't want to hear about morality from the women of ESPN. And uh, that kind of shut her up. But I don't want to hear about any of it. Leah Thomas was a sports story. (laughs) Sage Steele should have talked about it. Are you kidding? Oh, man. The more you know. Hey, Trey Wallace is joining us. Coming up here in a minute or two. I love talking to Trey. We're going to talk some foots, man. We got to talk the foots. Hey, and by the way, Camilla Harris, she wants to take your gas stove while having what? A gas stove heals up in the news. We got a lot to get to, including the great Jim Bayheim. Are you kidding me, Jim Bayheim? Go right now. Go tell your friends. Jump on here. Now, I might, I might have a sack attack. 11 o'clock bet. We'll see what we shall see. We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. 
Tis the season, and it is Trey Wallace season because, well, frankly, every day is Trey Wallace Day. They should make a holiday and just call it Trey Wallace Day. My friend Trey Wallace, writer extraordinaire, not NFL, well, it could be NFL, college football insider joins us. Hey, Trey, you ever seen anything like that Eastern Michigan, Crate, or uh, not Creighton, South Alabama ending where the sucker punch came in? No, that threw me off. And that was actually going down in my hometown while I was uh, home for Christmas. And um, so I, I, had a, I had a lot of friends that were there and, and folks covering the game that were there. And I started getting some uh, some text messages in there like, uh, there's there's some stuff going on post game here and uh, watch out for it. And so I had some friends shoot me videos uh, before they had made it to social media. So, no, that was absolutely wild, man. I uh I've never seen an opposing player run up on another one during while they were singing the alma mater. Yeah, it's so, unbelievable. I've never seen it was that. Wild. It was wild, yeah. bro. It, yeah. it, it was wild. Insane. All right. I'm going to go off script here. Jim Harbaugh is sitting there with, you know, whatever you want to believe, $12 million a year for 10 years, whatever you want to believe, whatever the contract is, but it's, it's double-digit million for a minimum of five years. Why do you think, if this is true, why do you think he has not signed this deal? I think I think it goes back to what we've seen in other coaching cycles um, where uh, you're so focused on what's going on. You don't really want to sit down with the agent. You don't really want to go over all the specifics if you don't have to. I mean, you have to, you know, we, we go back to, to when – uh, what everything went down when when Michigan got their notice of allegations. Um, you add in the Connor Stallion thing that's going on right now. Like there's a lot of different variables that are in this picture when it comes to to, to Jim Harbaugh's future. And and you know the reported clause in the contract of not being able to discuss an NFL job. Period uh, for the next calendar year. You know that that's a little tricky as well for a guy that has gone back and forth on if he wants to get back into the NFL, uh, for there to be a clause in that contract that says, hey, you can't even pick up the phone and you can't talk to somebody, your agent can't talk to somebody, you know, I I, I think that, you know, gives him a little pause. And um, I, if he's told, look, here's the other thing too. If he's told Michigan that he's going to come back and whatnot and they're at peace with it, okay, so be it. But I think one thing that's kind of stood out to me and even watching uh, yesterday, uh, after he got done with his parade at Disneyland and whatnot, waving to the crowd, you know, he he, he did have an opportunity to say, "Hey, look, I'm going to be at Michigan for 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 a while now. You know, I'm gonna uh, you know I'll worry about the contract when I get back there, but I'm a Michigan man. I'm not going anywhere. Blah blah blah. Um, he probably could have done that. He's going to get asked that same question today. Um, he's going to get asked that question, uh, you know, on Saturday. Uh, and then even on Sunday, you know, when, when the head coaches meet uh, the press for the final time before the Rose Bowl. So I, I think it's a mixture of a lot of things, man. And, and also, I think I don't know if he knows yet if, if he wants to go to the NFL. And if he does, there's that darn clause where you can't talk to him so you can't ruin the contract. So, you know, if they get beat Monday night, we'll probably know something probably this time next week or next Wednesday, what his future is and if he's going to sign it. You know, one of the interesting things that you just brought up is these things don't happen in a vacuum. Guys are talking. I, I go back. Steve Alford yeah. was it. Steve Alford was a coach at Iowa. 
basketball coach. The, the AD at New Mexico is a friend of mine. Calls me up. He goes, hey, Dan, can you see if Alford would be interested? I hear you're he he, not happy at Iowa. So I called him up. I said, Steve, you interested in New Mexico? Absolutely. So I worked as a go-between. And this was basically a little more than half of the season, a little less than half of the season left. So the idea that these things aren't ha- – then the other thing, Trey, is this. Um, there are only 32 of these jobs – and there's a couple pretty nice jobs in places that he has been. He coached at the University of San Diego. That job is open. He played for the Bears, Ditka, and all that kind of stuff. That job is open. It ain't like all jobs are created equal in the NFL when you are a guy like Harbaugh. Some are better well, than it, others. Yeah, and you and you remember, you know, you remember the process of the last couple of years of Jim Harbaugh, man. Like he's sitting there and he's interviewing, you know, the, these 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 teams. It's not the other way around, you know, and, and, and to me, the biggest thing that stands out is, you know, Jim Harbaugh probably knows what he wants to do as we're sitting here right now. Sure. Um, I, I don't, we, we've done this whole rokey dope type of thing for the last number of years, man, where, okay, he flirts with the NFL for a little bit, flirts with a couple teams and then decides, okay, that's not the right spot. I'm going to come out and profess my love to Michigan and release these statements on social media and whatnot. It's like, to me, it's like if you have a doubt in your mind that you're going to be the Michigan head coach next season and you you think that there's an NFL opportunity out there, this time do it right and get it over with, man. Because Michigan, I, I talked to a couple people up at Michigan over the last week or so. They're just sick and tired of going the back and forth thing of every single year, wondering if they're going to have their head coach or not for the next season. So in this case, in this case, Harbaugh, just figure out what you want and then let's go forward. And and I know it's a repetitive thing with Michigan folks, but this is a big decision, Dan, because if he doesn't win that title or if he gets beat, Monday night, that's three straight playoffs where he is eliminated after the first game. And, and I think a lot goes into the decisions you make afterwards. So it, it's just a it's just a weird, complex situation where every single year Harbaugh is brought up. But I agree with you. There are a number of teams in the NFL that I think would fit Jim Harbaugh, and and one of those being San Diego with Justin Herbert. Yeah, I mean, look, to your point, I think Michigan – has never, ever felt like they are a stepping stone job. I don't care if it's to the NFL. I, I don't care. I mean, it's, it's, this is where you coach to either get fired or you die here coaching or, you know, you retire, whatever. And I, I think that now, and I agree with you, I, I, I've talked to numerous Michigan fans. I mean, I got a ton of friends that are Michigan. I've spent two days with one that I had to straighten out and go, look, your guy got suspended, so don't tell me, didn't she? Just don't – let's just agree that he got – you know – but I'm with you on it. I think they are tired because they've never been in that position. I got to ask you this because I keep hearing this. Yeah. Tennessee has a player named Nico, whatever, uh, Lama Vela, Lama Lava. Okay. This dude is going to get a chance in a bowl game. Apparently, Joe Milton has, I guess, opted out. All right. Yeah. Is this dude really getting seven to eight million? And I got to ask the bigger question: Is that a year? Is that what he's gotten this year? I mean, what seven to eight million? What do we? What? 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 Let's okay. So let let's just uh, let's let's say that it's been reported. Yeah, that Nico Amalea. All right, uh, good. Amalea. It's it's yeah. Yeah. Let's just say that 
it's been reported that his contract was the one for seven, eight million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just leave it at that. Okay. So, but, but, but there is for any NIL deal out there, there is a payment system. You know, you either get paid monthly, uh, you get paid every other month, or you split it up. You get paid before the season, you get paid after the season's over. Um, he has been on the payroll uh at Tennessee and their NIL collective uh for a year now. So, you know, pretty pretty much a year now, you know, from from when he arrived. Um to, and even before that, because you could make money in the state of California as a high school athlete. Right, right. So right. So so you're you have a big time investment, man, sitting on the bench, and uh it was time for him to get into action. And and for and for really for Tennessee just to be like okay look let's hand over the keys here um, we we know what our future is Joe Milton has done enough for the program he was uh, uh he was in the middle ground between Hendon Hooker who's now at Detroit uh, and then you know for Nico so you might as well let him get out there and in in the bowl game action and go against a stout Iowa defense um, so yeah there's. There's a lot of money in NIL situation now. And he was like, if you remember, Dan, he was the first big name when it comes to out of high school. And when it comes to the, the millions of dollars type of range, like, you know, for an 18 year old kid. So, man, you know, Yes or no is the best answer I'm going to give you. I think you already know guys on the guys on the YouTube chat, Trey are saying that he got, and I don't know how you guarantee this. You can't. Like, well, maybe you can. Two, uh, two mil, four years. Meaning he got eight million total, two a year, for four years. But God dang, it's just. Hey, do you now, agree? That, that, Go ahead. That's a little. That's a little off. That's that, right. that's a little off. Um, but um, because you, it's well, it's hard to lock. It's it's hard to lock somebody in down for four right. years. That's what I'm you saying. What I mean? Yes. Right. And, and, right. And honestly. You know, there's clauses in these contracts where it's almost to a year-to-year basis, but you're promising somebody a certain amount of of, of terms long. You know, when, when you sign with them. Well, so, I got to tell know. you, if I'm Nico uh, and I'm good, I, I don't. Uh, two million might not be enough two years from now. I mean, at, at a place <laughs> like Tennessee, you know, dudes, seeing the numbers that are out there right yeah. now and. Talking to these collectives that are out there right now, I, I, we're gonna find out. Yeah, you know, and we don't know, we don't know about this kid. Like we've seen, right. we think he's gonna be good. I've, I, you know, I live in Knoxville. Um, I talk to folks. I've seen this kid. Like we think he is, but we really won't know. You know what I mean? And that's the biggest thing that stands out to me is, um, you know, how the how this kid's gonna perform with, you know, the weight of the world on his shoulder. All right, outkick. Dot com's Trey Wallace wrote an article, Uh-oh. and it is a great article. The only other time I've ever seen this was in Indianapolis. Um, Wisconsin fans converged on Indy, and they drank four downtown bars for the Big Ten championship game out of beer. Gone. Yeah. They couldn't get the Bud Light trucks or whatever the trucks were in. So I'm watching, and I'm, I'm minding my own business. I'm watching Texas State, who I thought was a very dirty football team, like ridiculously dirty. But, hey, they won, and I bet on them, so I'm all in on them. But listen to this, my folks. I'm looking at you guys right here on the YouTube chat. Uh, they, Texas State, 
reportedly drank their side of the stadium dry at the first responders bowl in Dallas, Trey. Walk me through this. Brother, it was wild. And I had a reporter friend that was covering the game. And uh, so first getting word, you know, you see it on social media first. And then I texted my buddy. I was like, hey, man, is this stuff true? Like, what's going on? So he actually walked <laughs> down uh, to the concourse on the Texas State side. Yeah, man, they didn't make it through the second quarter. Oh, my and God. They were out of alcohol. at SM, and, this, and this was played at SMU Stadium, uh, Gerald Ford Stadium in Dallas area. This this has nothing to do with SMU, by the way, only that it was played at their stadium. They don't run the bowl game. But they ran out of alcohol. And this was also, by the way, Texas State's first ever, you know, bowl appearance. And they won. And so you've got a crap load of fans yes. making this trip, and they drank that place dry. And then, Dan, they said, okay, well, wait a minute. We're out of alcohol on our side. Yes. Let's go to Rice's side of the yes. stadium. Let's go drink them dry. And that's exactly what happened. By the middle of the third quarter, Dan, there was not a drop of alcohol left in that stadium. You couldn't find – you would have to go out, leave the stadium, somehow go to the convenience store, and get back to find alcohol. It was absolutely wild. I give all the credit in the world to Texas State fans for drinking that place dry, having a great time, winning the first bowl yeah. game and getting sloshed in the process. Yeah, hey, maybe they didn't get drunk. Maybe they're pros. Maybe they drank so much that everybody's just like, what, what, what? This is a Tuesday. What are you bothering me for? (laughs) What? You know what I mean? (laughs) You got to start at 5 a.m. somewhere, right? Yeah. You you know, you have to start drinking to get drunk. So, hey, they had a good time. It's college football, and, and, uh, you know, it's just just have a blast. About about five, I don't know, maybe six, seven years ago, the Champions Classic, Michigan State, uh, Kansas, Kentucky, and Duke came to Indy. Yeah. And I was driving downtown at about 10 o'clock, and I'm doing my radio show at noon, and I look, and, man, the bars on Mass Ave are crowded, and they're all Kentucky fans. So fast forward, the – Gainbridge Fieldhouse is where it was played, right downtown Indy. They had to. I've been there numerous times. Have you? They had to stop serving alcohol at halftime because drunken Kentucky fans were fighting. Kentucky, it was uh, Kentucky was getting their brains beat. I think Zion Williamson was there then, and they were killing Kentucky. And they were so mad they were fighting, so they had to say, "All right." Done. No more alcohol. I've never heard of these things, but I love these things when they happen. Trey, I re- I was the I was there. Uh, I don't know what was it four years ago. Kentucky got beat by the Peacocks, you know, in the first round, uh-huh. uh, the, the, the big upset. And I was there. Kentucky fans are having a splendid time in Indianapolis until that final buzzard rang and, and they were exited in the first round. Uh, yes, man. Ending that look, and I, I've, I've covered national championship games there. You've been there. It's such a fun place to go to mass app, all that good yeah. stuff. And yeah, Kentucky fans, you know what? <laughs> they were probably out of the Kentucky bourbon. So they decided to go to all the beer they could find and they drank that place dry. And you know what? Don't mess with a Kentucky fan after they kick a little, just, no. just leave them alone and let them be. No. You don't want it smoke that's right they were fighting each other i was talking to the guy who runs the good he goes man it was like you're walking and kentucky fans are beating the hell out of kentucky fans they were 
was, I'm going there on uh, Friday. My son's Illinois State team tomorrow. We're, we're going to be, my wife and I are going to be in the stands, and I can't wait. We're staying right there at the hotel. So uh, used to I be. I did that. They, I did that. Yeah. Stayed right across the street from the arena. Yeah. I was going to the NCAA tournament. Great place. Yeah. been there for national titles, and I'm sure – you're going to run into a bunch of drunk fans. It's no, gonna I'm going to go incognito. I don't need – last time I was there, I had guys throwing stuff at me, and I'm like, hey, look, we're going to have to fight, and I don't want to fight. I, I don't want to fight anybody. I don't want to – all I want to do is watch a game, have a sit, have a have a bourbon after in the bar, and then go to bed. That's it. And then hey, drive home the gonna, next day. How are you going to go incognito? You're going to wear a they mask and a no cap, brother? They don't know me no more. They don't. They don't. <laughs> used to be – used to be a problem. All right, my friend, I, I got to have you on before the Bulls because I got to get some – some predictions out of you, my friend. Thanks for coming on, Trey. I love it. I look forward to it, man. Have a great week. Happy holidays. Yeah, happy holidays to you as well. That's our friend Trey Wallace. He's fantastic. And the article about the, the Texas State fans just drinking themselves. Well, I don't even know. I shouldn't say drunk. Maybe they didn't get drunk. Maybe they just ate. Maybe they just said, you know what? We're just drinking. We ain't drunk. We just drinking. Uh, Jim Beheim is going to join us. Jim Beheim, 7,622 years as the head coach at Syracuse. He was there before God invented Syracuse. But uh, he's not coaching now. He's with ESPN, and I'm looking forward to talking to the coach, one of my favorite people. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Nineteen seventy-six is when this man started his coaching career, and he—well, not coaching career, head coaching career at Syracuse—and he ended last year, twenty twenty-three, one thousand one hundred and sixteen wins, national championship. I can't even go into all the awards because they're too many, but I will say this: uh, as evidenced by his outfit, he certainly has never bought a shirt, a hat, <laughs> nothing. Nothing. I'm sure the socks are orange. Uh, you, when's the last time you bought anything or wore anything that didn't say Syracuse on it? This In the morning, this is it. This is what I have before I get up. Once I get uh, Christmas, I got 25 new things. None oh. of them have orange or Syracuse on it. Right. Not one. Right. So, I no, wrong. Just, just early morning, late at night. Oh. This is it. This is what I have. You miss, <laughs> you miss coaching? No, not at all. I, really? I really haven't. I, I thought I would, but it's it just not even been a thought process. I uh, I uh, just haven't missed it at all. I thought I would, but it just hasn't happened that way. And uh, I'm I'm ha- I'm happy for that. But it really, uh, you know, I'm doing a few games on television, a couple games uh, here and there, and then I'm doing a studio uh, for ESPN, which is it's fun. 
to look at games and talk about games. I, I enjoy doing that. But uh, other than that, I do some stuff here at the university and just keep busy. Uh, once in a while, I'll stop by practice, see how they're doing. Um, they're doing a great job. Adrian's doing a great job with this team. Uh, all young guys, really, really young guys. But uh, he's done a great job with them, and they're uh, they're playing pretty good. They just, you know, it's hard with six sophomores and uh, a couple juniors that have really never played much. Uh, it's hard to, to be consistent, but uh, they're getting better. Coach, I got to ask you, we, uh, you, you mentioned, you know, it really you, you're relieved that you, you don't miss coaching. Were you worried that you were going to miss it? Were you, were you concerned? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think you, you do think about that, worry about it a little bit. Um, you know, you do something for over 50 years as an assistant, a head coach, uh, like 55, 58 or whatever it was, 57 years. That's a, you know, a long time to do one thing, and you think, boy, I don't, what am I going to do? But it's really been good. And the other thing you learn when you retire is you want to get out of the house. And, you know, my wife told me that after about a week, you know, yeah. maybe two. I guess she gave me about two weeks, and then she said, you know, it's kind of like you. If you were just home all the time, you'd never make it. No. 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 no I, I, hey, look, Coach, I say I was married 22 years to my first wife. Great. Well, I was coaching because I wasn't home when I started radio three hours a week. She's like, hey, look, I got to get the hell out of here. You know, and little known fact, Coach uh, Beheim helped me with my love life. Um, we don't really need to get into that, but he did. And I've always said that he is, Coach Beheim is the greatest guy with other coaches, did more for other coaches than any. I've, I've known coaches, football coach at Indiana, told his staff, if any of you are ever at Assembly Hall, I'm going to fire you. If you ever hang out with the basketball coaches or the baseball, I'm going to fire you. And I, Lee tells a story, my wife Lee tells a story of like her first day. You're in her office welcoming her, and she didn't know who the hell you were. You're like the greatest guy ever. I don't know about that, but I think – I learned a long time ago, coaches don't have that many friends. <laughs> so we better make sure that other coaches are going to be friendly with us. You know, yeah. sometimes on the court, you get those rivalries games, you know, those things build up. and Sometimes it gets crazy there. But even with teams we played in the league, and Dave Gavitt was really the guy that, that really started me thinking this way. You know, he had all the coaches come together every year at the end of the year. Even if you had battles during the year, he would have you go out to dinner together. He'd have you play golf together with somebody that you just had a big, big brawl with or something. And he said, "Hey, you know, get get to know each other, get get to be better friends." And and it worked. I mean, I I changed kind of and tried to be friendly with everybody, and and pretty much uh, that worked for me. Um, you know, Big John, I had a big rivalry for a while at Georgetown, but at the end, that was very good, very peaceful and respectful. So, you know, that is important, I think, for coaches. We, you know, I know coaches who sit home all day, every day, uh, you know, waiting for games, don't talk to anybody, except go to the games. And uh, it's not, uh, not a good way. You know, and your persona on the court, you know, I was a different kind of guy on the court you're different than that in real life i mean it's it's uh that's just you know you're focused in on the game you think about the game you, you don't think about anything else for 10 years i didn't think about anything except basketball and then i started getting to some charity stuff foundation stuff and 
we were able to raise a lot of money for Coach versus Cancer and for our foundation, which we help kids with, probably $20 million or more. So that's very rewarding to do that. And in a, as a coach, you're in a position to do that because you you have the community behind you, especially when you're winning. They're really behind right. you. Right. You know, we raise more money in the years we win a lot than when we Hell, don't do as well. My own, my own dad told me, hey, I'm with you, win or tie. That's it. I mean, that, <laughs> you know, that's – hey, um, I want to go through college basketball with you. You know, Lane Kiffin – uh, came out, and this is interesting in football. I guess I didn't realize this, where they had they have free agency when the season yeah. is going on. And it, it astounds me. Transfer portal, you know, you had transfers, you had guys transfer. Where are you as you sit back away from it for a few months now and see what's going on with college basketball? What do you think of college basketball right now? Well, there's two, there's two ways to think of this. I don't like it at all number one. But number two is this is what the world is, and you better adjust to it really quickly. Get in the portal. Get some players there because you're going to lose some, and when you lose some, you need to get some. It's pretty simple. And a high school kid probably can't come in and do enough for you. That's why some programs are going to three or four transfers every year. Once you start that, you lose those guys if they're one of your guys. Now you got to go get three or four more. And Part of the reason college basketball is pretty well balanced is the transfer portal. Everybody, bad teams, everybody can get good players someplace. They all aren't going to go to the top schools. They're going to go someplace else. So you can be in the middle or the bottom of a league and still get good players. And uh, that's good for the balance of college basketball. I loved NIL, where what it's supposed to be. Players can use their image, do all that. And you can make money doing that. You know, you really can some places more than others, but we had guys making forty or fifty thousand and and uh, not helping them at all. No, no help from any collective. But that's not going to get it done anymore. I mean, transfers and the top ten players in basketball are getting hundreds of thousands of dollars, not just fifty or hundred. It's hundreds. And uh, the best ones are getting obviously the most, whether it's a million or six, eight hundred. So that's where it is. I don't see it changing. You can't limit it. The Supreme Court said you can't limit this. Um, so it's going to continue. And uh, the best players are going to get the most money, which I think, I guess you can say, okay, good for them. That's nice. The other players will get some money. Um, I, I think every. Every program is different, but I've heard of some programs, football, where every player gets X amount of dollars, $30,000, $40,000. And then, obviously, the 20 best players get more money. So that's a big, big financial number. And it's where we are. Uh, is I don't see it changing. I don't see any rules that could be made to change that. They talk about going to employee status, which would be awful, because now you got a hundred football and basketball players, you're going to have to pay them and pay a hundred women because you'll have time line about. I don't think there's enough money for that. Most places, very, very few places. And, uh, you know, everybody rates ranks, uh, rails about the coaches getting paid so much money. That's the one inequity that I see. Coaches do get paid a lot of money. That's kind of the American system, but coaches do get paid an exorbitant amount of money. And so, yeah, the players should get some money. And 
they are now. It'd be nice if there was, I mean, if you do pay them, what are you going to make a salary? Is it going to be more for quarterbacks, more for running backs, uh, equal? If it's, if it's X amount for the quarterback, then you're going to have X amount for the girls' volleyball player, same amount. You're going to have to balance that. And even the proposal that Mr. Baker came out with, 30000 to you know half your athletes, which is men and women, 30000 apiece, you know, that's $6 million. That can be done, but 30000 isn't anything for the top players. And 30000 is way more than any of the you know, lesser players are getting in sports or, or on the women's side that there's a few, but not many getting that much. So that's just a starting point in the conversation maybe, but uh, I don't know where that conversation goes. I got, I got two questions for you because people make it simple. Well, Roy Williams, Mike Krzyzewski, Jim Beheim got out because of NIL, because of transfer portal. And I, my thing is, come on. I mean, it's, it's always a little deeper than that. That's yeah. one question. Do you believe that or did that? And the other question yep. is, did you ever have a player come in, you know, and negotiate, say, look, coach, I'm playing better, or an agent come in and want to negotiate a better deal? I know that happens in football. It yeah. happens to our football coach. I, I haven't had that. Um, we're at the bottom end of the kind of how much money our players get, I think, from talking to collective people. Um, but we've had – just, you know, good players. We lost one player uh, last year, Jesse Edwards, who went to West Virginia for a lot of money. Uh, and, uh, you know, that hurt, hurt our program. Right now, we have Jesse Edwards with probably top 20, top 15 team. But, so, yeah, you can lose a player. Um, and you, you have to guard against that by having enough money in your collective so that when a player is thinking about going, you can come up with a reasonable package for him with the collective money. Um, yeah, that happens. I don't think Roy or Mike got out because of the collectives or because of this whole thing with NIL. I think it was just time for them. Uh, I'm sure that was a, well, I'm, I don't, I don't want to deal with that anyway. And, uh, but, uh, you know, it's, if you, if, if all of us were 50, we would have said, okay, let's figure this out. Yeah. We're going to use collectives and we're going to go forward. It's just the hardest thing to adjust to uh, that we've ever seen. And, it's, I mean, you see it in football dramatically when all of a sudden a guy at the last minute was going here and now he's going over here. And nothing new happened except whatever the financial commitment was going to be. So... Yeah, I mean, it's that's there. Hey, it's, it's, I got to ask you, you know, you mentioned Jesse Edwards. He leaves and he, he Huggins, I guess, was, would have still been there, I guess. So as Huggins yeah. takes him, I'm sure you've known Huggins your whole life or your coaching yes, life. I, Does anybody take – do, do you just – I would take it personally. I'd be pissed off. But you, you kind of can't, can you? I mean, I'm talking about another coach poaching your players, but that's really no. not what it is, is it? No, it's it, it was a financial yeah. thing. He, Jesse loved it here, and his girlfriend was here. He, he was very happy. He developed over time, uh, becoming a really good player. Um, you know, so you don't take it personal. You, you, coaches don't take it personal with, with another coach. Not if a player leaves for a lot of money. I, no, not at all. I mean, it's just 
you know, at that point in time, we couldn't match what the offer was. And we've, we now are rapidly adjusting to that. <laughs> yeah. And because you, you can't lose your own players. You, you can't develop a player and lose them because of just might. You can't do that. You have to match that. And uh, in some cases in recruiting, we've never promised anybody anything, but everybody has an idea of what the market is out there and what you can re- what you're likely to get. And our current players, you know, obviously make money in the NIL and they're able to tell that to recruit or whoever asks. Yeah. We can't. We can't do that. But so yeah, I mean you have to adjust to the NIL and it's it's a it's it's the way it is right now. And you really it's in both sports, but it's it's really watching football commitments at the last minute. <laughs> and there was always some of that yeah. fluctuation at the last minute and probably sometimes in those days it was illegal money. You know, at, at some point, but now it's it's legal. Hey, coach! A lot of Indiana Purdue people watch this. Um, give me your thoughts on Purdue. What? What? what how good are they relative to the I, I, I started out with them, and then I kind of switched to Connecticut, and now I've kind of switched back to Purdue. I, I think Connecticut's good, really good, but they're not like last year's team. Last year's team was Jackson and. You know, Hawkins, uh, the and shoot, the, Hawkins yeah. and Sonogo. They were really, really the best team by far. I like Purdue. I think the transfer from where from Northern Illinois Southern, to Southern, Southern Illinois, yeah. Southern. Yeah. I think he gives them something they didn't have before. I think the two guards are now a year older, and Edie looks even better. So if I had to pick somebody right now, I'd pick them. They're probably going to beat the first or second round or something. But they'll be the second team to beat in the 1-16 game and win the national championship right. next year. I like Purdue. I mean, Arizona looks good, uh, really looks good to me. Um, you know, Florida, Atlanta, I mean, who knows? The great thing about college basketball, transfer portals, big part of it, you can get – well, there's a tremendous amount of balance, tremendous amount of balance. Even the bad teams can can beat you. I mean, it's, it's crazy how many really good teams out there. You could say there's not any great teams, which is maybe true, but there's an awful lot of good basketball teams out there. You can just keep pointing to any section of the country and say, well, that team's pretty good too coach in louisville it, it, this fascinates me louisville you know they hire one of their own and, and the program was not great i mean or else the job wouldn't have been open and it, they had a lot of things going on it's only a second year does it put far more pressure maybe maybe it doesn't maybe there's always been this pressure i know there has does it put far more pressure on a coach like kenny payne to get louisville back quicker given what you just said about the transfer portal and you can get good players everywhere fans less patient or is this just business as usual because louisville's supposed to be really good i think it's a it's really everybody's supposed to be pretty good even I remember one small school who had a pretty good coach. I'm not going to get into the names, but there was a small school, good school. You went in 17, 18. They called him and said, you know, you're, we're, we're firing you. You're, you're gone. We want to be like Gonzaga. And this school, 
couldn't be like Gonzaga, like, you know, you and I can't be rock stars. I mean, let's, you know, or gymnasts, right. you know, but that's what the thought process was. We're a small school. They're a small school. They did this. So we should be able to do this. No, it doesn't work that way. But that said, everybody that's in the top 100, the top 150 schools, they all think they can go to at least the tournament, probably Final Four. There's probably 150 schools like that. And I'm not talking the automatic bid leagues. I'm just talking about 100, 150 schools. They think they should be in the tournament every year. And some of them think, you know, 40 and 30 of them think they should go to the Final Four. So that's a high bar, high expectation. And when Kenny Payne took over, they had not much. And this year he brought in a lot of younger players, which are you know, good players, but they're not going to win for you right away uh, without veterans. But, yeah, I mean, Louisville's a job you expect to go to the tournament within two, maybe, maybe three years. And the main thing is you can't lose to certain teams at home. Right. You can't. Right. You know, you just can't. And uh, you have to beat those teams and then get in the league and so on and so forth. But, yeah, every school, Louisville's definitely one of them. You, you have to be in the tournament, I'd say, in two or three years or you're – Jobs in jeopardy. Yeah, it's just you know, it's just fascinating. You know, people say, "Well, the people are really impatient with with Kenny Payne." I said, "Well, people are impatient with everything. I mean, there's nothing in yeah. this world that people are impatient standing in line to get gas. I mean, hell, people are impatient. You know, there's yeah. expectations. There is, and it's just more so maybe. But uh, I I think uh, way back you you got a four year contract, and usually you had four years. Unless yeah. things were just absolutely crazy and today's world i don't know if you you don't if it's real bad you don't have four years you have two maybe three that's it yeah i'd, I'd sit there and you know it, it, it didn't used to be you can tell me how you would know better than me i always felt like the ad's weren't as tied to the coach as they are now it's it's like the mafia you know you you whack the guy that brought the guy in you know, I mean, you brought him in. You're you're gone too. I, I I always felt like you know the AD was a little bit separate from that, but now there's heat on him, or or his job is done. Seems to me. Yeah, I think there is heat on both on the AD for the football and basketball job. Yeah, you know, especially at most schools. Some of, some there's others, but it mostly those those are the jobs. And if you hire somebody that fails. Most ADs are really tied in with the administration. They go to meetings every yeah. week. They, they're really tied in and close to the top people at the university. So they go to dinner, they go to lunch with them. You know, they're tied in. So they're, you got to really fail as an AD. You know, you probably have to hire a couple bad coaches and not raise some money and, you know, whatever. Uh, to lose your job, it's just, yeah. you don't see many ads getting fired, do you? I mean, I don't. Well, I don't know, but I always see the ads under pressure. Like here in Indiana, the ad, it's yeah. always, you know, it's like, all right, well, I never heard of that before. I guess it'd be, I'm sure it was true, but I paid attention to that, and I always thought the ads, to your point, they had more of a <laughs> relationship with the president or the chancellor, or the vice chancellor, whatever it was, right? Because as you said, they're 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 they. You probably didn't see your president very often. You didn't see your chancellor. You know, you didn't see him. At all coaching no not much you don't no. the, the and so there's pressure on the ad as you said but that's just radio pressure that's just that's just you know yeah 
internet pressure. That's all that is. I would and argue that, this, though. You get a football coach wrong a couple times, you got a problem. I don't care who. You may have a problem as a president in this day and age with football. Oh, the way, yeah. The way this thing is. Well, some places are different, too. Yeah. 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 And, you know, every place is a little different. All right. Know? I got I to gotta get this. I got to get this on tape. All right. You ready? <laughs> You know my yeah. wife. My wife, softball coach, all this. She swears. She's like, Dan, I'm telling you, sports are fixed. Everything's scripted. Referees, it's all scripted. I said, wait a second. Is softball? Well, no, of course not. I go, so but everybody else is. So, coach, to Lee Ross Dockage, please, are sports, basketball, foot, are they scripted? You know, I've always had great respect for your wife. She made one major mistake. Yes. You know, I'm looking at him. But this would be as almost as big a mistake as marrying you. This one. This right. one. I mean, nothing's fixed. It's just <laughs> that's crazy. I can't believe she said oh, that. Oh, she's, she's probably making that up. But. There's like the other day. There was a fumble to start the second half. I think it was Giants and Eagles. And she's like, see, I told you there'd be a turnover to keep the crowd around. I'm like, okay, everything's scripted but your sport, Coach. Hey, uh, happy holidays, and uh, can't wait to see you uh, on TV. When are you on TV next? Um, I got the Duke at Pittsburgh game January 9th, so we'll see you then. Will the coaches, will, will the coaches talk to you? Will they be, are they, have you pissed anybody off? You got anybody mad? You know, is, no, they uh, all come over. They all talk. Players come over and say hello. You know, they all – they like you when you retire. I don't. But some hey. places, they they did. They were really friendly in North Carolina. The fans came over and everything. You know, every place Pittsburgh, we'll see. I don't know. We had some battles there. Uh, I'm a little worried going in there. See how they treat me. But uh, it'll it'll be fun. It's all fun. Uh, when you don't have to sit home every day, that's good. That's yeah. a good thing. Trust me. Uh, I got the orders a long time ago. After about two weeks out, go do something. <laughs> hey, Coach, you gave Benetti and I about an hour and a half. Uh, it was a history lesson. You went, we we were on the court, um, and we just sat there. You we, you gave us everything from a restaurant to our friend Norm Ellenberger getting a murderer out of jail to play against you, Dr. J dropping 40 or whatever it was. That was one of the great, great times in my basketball life, and I thank you for that. Well, it's a great game, and I've been lucky to be in it for 50-some years yeah. and see the things you see. And uh, I even saw you beat a better North Carolina team somehow. I don't yeah. know how you – with you playing, I don't no. know how that – but dude, that could never be repeated. I Sam Perkins, Michael Jordan. <laughs> Come on. I mean, Dan Dockett. I'll tell you what else – I'll tell you something else that can't be repeated. I don't know what <laughs> – Keith Smart hitting that jump shot. He couldn't make that shot. He never made that shot again. He never – I used to work him out every day shooting jump shot. He didn't make that shot after. He didn't make that shot before. He didn't – so – Like a guy told me when he made a long putt, I said, you could never make that one again. And he looked at him and says, I don't need to. That's right. You only got to do this once, that's, you know. That's, right. that's all you got to do. Keith Smart scored about the last 10 or 12 he points did. of that championship game. People don't know that. Yeah. It wasn't just that bucket. He was on the bench. He been hadn't played well. I think Coach Knight was upset with him. And he had to put him back in because they weren't scoring. And he goes for 10, I think 10. I think it was 15. I think he scored the last 15. It, it, it could have been. And the last one. As soon as he got it off, I knew he was going to make it because he's, he'd been making it. It wasn't like he didn't make anything. And then some guy, you know, that happens sometimes. 
guy had made a shot the whole game makes it. We had a guy make a, a bank to three against us as center to beat us in an NCAA tournament game. Uh, and he had never taken a three the whole Who year. Who was that? Uh, UMass, uh, oh. some center, yeah. left tag, yeah. bank, you know. Okay. Sometimes you just, it's there, it's written. You know, you know, one, of the, <laughs> one of the great things in coaching is you can make up your own truce. Like Coach Knight always said that Daryl Thomas made a great play to kick it out the key smart. We used to tell Daryl Thomas, you were crapping your pants. You no more wanted that ball than the man, <laughs> man on the well, ball. <laughs> everybody touched the ball in that last play. Yeah. They they were couldn't come up with anything, and uh, they we just did. We were the, the, was the play was to defend that corner, and we just stayed back, and he got the look. And do you, you do know, you think more about wins or losses? Well, I thought about that game. I still yeah, do, but I thought I about know. it for until we won one in New Orleans. Luckily, uh, I thought about that game every night, practically, and yeah. I still think about. It, but not at, once you win one, you know, it kind of go like you know. Everybody thinks, well, you got to win this or win two or three. No, if you can win one, you're in a. There's not that many people on earth that right. that won a national championship in basketball. So it's hard to do. And I, I, I just try to focus on that. You know, when you retire, you can just think about the wins now. Don't you don't have to think about the losses when you're coaching. You're thinking about the losses and stuff. But now, let's put that to bed. Uh, I picked up a few more wins in my mind, so we're we're yeah. good. We're, we're good to go. And uh, it's fun watching games and talking about them. And you know, some people make a living just talking about basketball. I mean, who would have thought? Who would have thunk it, man? Some people make a good living talking about basketball. And you know what, Coach? After the game, you go uh, have a – well, you like that Italian place. You like some kind Uh, of oyster thing or some kind. No, no. What was it? Shrimp shrimp milanese. Best thing you can get. That's right. You know, a long time ago, I knew we were going to be on the road a lot. And I said, okay, we're going to find the best restaurants every place we go, and that's where we're going to eat. So – I go to Pittsburgh. I'm going to Alla Familia. That's you know best yeah. restaurant in town. So you know, we'll, we'll, even in everywhere, even in the South, there's good restaurants. I found in the ACC. You know, I complained about that once, but you know, there's good restaurants everywhere. If you're going to go, you might as well go and have a good meal. And, yeah. You know, and now after the game, win or lose, I enjoy whatever I have. I love it. It's great. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. Coach, thank you. I kept you too long. Uh, happy holidays to you, Julie, and the fellas, the boys. Thanks, sir. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate That's it. the great Jim Beheim, man. I love talking to Coach Beheim. That is a basketball junkie right there. He'll watch anything, anytime. I kept him too long, but I just enjoyed it. So don't at me. It's my show, and I'm all tanned up. Hey, we'll be right back. I got the damn awards to get to. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Bradley in the house here. Molly and Brooke are uh, running the show today. I got disciplined. Hey, Ryan doesn't work on the show as much as you want. So, Ryan, where'd you go? Anyway, it's the damn awards of stud of the week. Stud of the week. Do you know the name Travis Duffner? No, no, no. I did not say. What's that golfer's name? 
somebody Duffner, Jason Duffner. No, it's not Jason Duffner. It is the stud of the week. We talked about him yesterday. His name is Travis Duffner. He had a 14-leg parlay. 14 legs, and it was up to Christian McCaffrey to score a touchdown. It was 14 different guys scoring a touchdown over the weekend in the NFL, and guess what? All 14 did. I still don't understand this. I spoke on this yesterday, and I don't really understand this. I don't understand how he didn't take a cash out. Maybe they did, maybe they did not offer a cash out. Maybe they said, all right, no, we're not doing that. But every single time that I watch a game or that something happens, they give me a cash out. If I have a parlay and I've won the first two and I have a three-team parlay, they cash me out. They say, all right, you know, you can bet 100 to win 400. They'll go about 280, 290. You're talking about $489,000. You're telling me after 13, they did 10 or 8, they didn't say, hey, look, we'll give you 100 grand after about six? Man, that is absolutely unbelievable to me. But good for him, man. So he goes nuts. He wins. And next thing you know, boom, half a million. Look, I get it. Taxes takes some of that, but you can live pretty good on that for a long time. I mean, I know that, you know, young folks today get the bottle service and all that stuff. I mean, look, in my world, you can get a 50-cent beer. You can live on that forever. A McDonald's. Uh, Dr. Uman Johnson is our moron of the week. Yes, Dr. Uman is a activist. He is an activist. Can we play Dr. Uman? Is it possible? Do we have that? Can we cue that up, what this clown said? he? Let me see if we can do that. If we can't, no problem. Somebody just text me or let me know. But what this guy said was, hey, man, Eminem should never have been allowed to rap because he's white. Yeah, that's right. Never allow Eminem to rap because yeah, he's a white boy. And white boys shouldn't be allowed to rap because, well, they just shouldn't. And Dr. Uman is an activist. Dr. Uman Johnson is a, well, he's an African fundamentalist. So am I. I am. I'm an African fundamentalist. I was raised in the African church. I'm going to be Joe Biden right now. I was raised in the Puerto Rican African Catholic Baptist church by a guy named Corn Pop. But Uman, do we have it? Not yet. All right, we're working on it. But this guy said, look, you don't see any of us over in Palestine. You don't see any of us being called the greatest at anything. Let me tell you something. I don't give a damn. And the guys to the to the credit, all right, let's play this. And if we show it, look at the guys. The guys that are with this clown are actually like, man, you're an idiot. They didn't agree. Let's hear from Uman. That's your question. You don't think Eminem is one of the best rappers of all time? According to who? You. Rap fans. Let me say something to you. And this is going to my African fundamentalism. No non-African can ever be the best of anything African. It is an insult to the ancestors. It is an insult to the race. And it is an insult to every black person. Do you think I could go to Palestine and be the best anything of Palestinian culture? You never see that. You think I could go go to Israel and be the best of anything in Israel? Whether it be a cook, an instrumentalist, a dancer? Hell no. And we have to stop yeah, but I naming non-African people, Joe. But 
I did. Okay. Stay with me though. Let me finish this. We gotta stop naming non-African people as being the best of any aspect of our cultural product Joe, I think you because can. it is an insult. You can. Can. It is an insult. We can acknowledge that the talent is the best. Yes, but, I can but, acknowledge Eminem's title. We should, he's, but let me tell you. Go ahead. What, what, for what, you to what put I him mean. at the top, let me ask you this. that's, that's white supremacy. Let me tell you this. That's white supremacy. What's, what's white culture? I don't see Eminem building those so, schools and hospitals. I don't see DJ Khaled building those schools and hospitals. I don't see DJ Vlad building no damn bets in supermarkets. Yo, I'm asking Vlad. Yeah, it's just an idiot. I mean, there's nothing else you can say, and he deserves to win. All he did was start yelling. Even the guys that he was with on the Joe Budden podcast are like, hey, look, clown. Uh, And all he did was yell louder, which is what idiots do. They just start yelling and screaming, and that's what a social – he went to the – Philadelphia School of Osteo something. He went to the Philadelphia School of Stupid. Yell, scream, say words. That's what you do. My goes against my black fundamentalism. Me too. Yeah, we all got it. Uh, Look, strangest story. Spirit Airlines putting a kid on the wrong flight. Look, putting a kid on the wrong flight is one thing. But damn, I'll tell you the best story is Delta Airlines. Delta, you got my business. There was one of these... I don't know. You got to say my right or wrong pronoun. And it turned out that this guy was one of these influencers that, you know, kind of makes his way. And he got in the face of a Delta executive or a Delta guy. Uh, what do you call not Not a steward, whatever you call it, gate agent. And he started being angry that he misgendered him. And to the credit of the Delta Airlines employee, he was very calm. And he just simply said, look, You're being condescending, and I have the authority to walk you out of here three days before Christmas. Is that what you would like to do? And the guy that was doing this was doing it all for show, and in fact, he ended up, I'm not even going to say his name, ended up taking it off his TikTok because he looked like an idiot. He faced backlash. I mean, look, there is no world, no, where people, real people are going to get on the side of somebody whining in an airport, a crowded airport, about being misgendered. Now, maybe I'm just old guy in a blue shirt. You know, us old guys, we wear blue shirts. It's what we do. So old guy in a blue shirt, maybe, I don't know, maybe Molly and Brooke and Tyler and everybody else thinks I'm wrong. I don't know. But if somebody says you misgendered me, I'd say, well, you'll be all right. You'll be okay. Dad, you misgendered me. Well, yeah, you'll be okay. It'll be all right. Everything will work out. I promise you. It'll be okay. I mean, there's a lot of things in this world. I, I'm having a little fight here with this mic. I like it. Uh, there's a lot of things in this world that I'm going to worry about. But you know what? If you're a dude, hey, dude. If you're a girl, girl, whatever. Anyway, so that is the airlines. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat this up. Watch this. See? Watch it drop. Hang on, Carl. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I don't care about your gender or misgendering. I don't. I know we're supposed to. I know we're supposed to sit here and say, well, you know, it's about respecting everybody. Yeah, fine. But I don't. And I certainly don't care if I'm in a crowded airport. Look, if I'm in an airport over Christmas, I got more important things to do. And if I'm the gate agent there, I know people are going to be on my backside. So if you haven't seen it, give yourself a watch. It's pretty good. It's uh, actually very, very good. I'm flying Delta. Uh, worst week, Mike Florio did his Mike Florio stuff. Hey, do we have that one, too, while we're here? We might as well show that one, too, where Florio, he gets a little personal. 
He did. He got a little personal with Lamar Jackson. And those of you that know me know that I have an unwavering love of Lamar Jackson, unhealthy love, really, because I think Lamar Jackson is the hardest quarterback in the world to stop. And if you watched the games the other day, you will agree with me. I promise you, look, look, well, looky here. Well, honest to God, the co-host of Hot Mike is here in the house. I did not know. Did you know this? Did you know her last name is Stewart? Did you know this? Did you know it's Kelly Stewart? Her last, her last name is not Kelly in Vegas. I thought it was Kelly in Vegas. But anyway, she's here because like all people that work really hard, she's only here six hours before her show starts and she figures what the hell. I'm not used to not seeing her in some kind of Catwoman outfit with uh, Ariel by her side. But I digress. Mike Florio. We have it. Let's go. Let's, let's see what Mike Florio, he got personal. I'm not happy with him, nor am I happy with this. Go ahead. I'm going to kick the out of everybody they face. What did I do? The, the quest is for second place. That's it. As long Uh-oh. Something happened. What happened? It stopped playing. What did you do? Something happened. Something snapped. We going to try it again? Or did, you know... Between everybody running out here to save the mic, we got a problem. But anyway, so Mike Florio, he got personal. And you know what? Good for Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson said, screw you. Go back to your little podcast or your little channel, he called it. Now, Mike Florio's got a pretty big channel. He's got a pretty big thing. But I just uh, – he's right when he says, look, you can criticize me, him, them, whatever you want, but don't make it so personal. And then – Lamar Jackson's got to come back and say, look, you never played. If you put pads on, you might think a little bit differently. All right, let's move it along. Uh, the rules for thee and not for me. Heels up, Vice President Kamala Harris and the second gentleman, Doug Emhoff, get absolutely flamed for posting a Christmas photo in their kitchen with another gas stove in the back. Look, I am stupid. I admit my stupidity. I don't understand how cows farting are causing global warming. I don't understand how for the last 30 years, people have talked about and made a bunch of money saying glaciers are gone. I don't understand how Time Magazine can put a 13-year-old girl on a spectrum for screaming and yelling because her childhood was taken away, Greta Thornberry. I don't understand any of this. But if you're going to say to me, hey, look, We've got to get rid of gas stoves because of global warming. And you're the front runner. You're the face of it, Vice President Camilla Heels Up Harris. Then how about you just simply don't take pictures with a gas stove in the background? Now, I'm not, again, I'm kind of stupid. But I, I do understand that. Like, if I'm going to say get rid of gas stoves, then maybe I take a picture showing me in front of a wood-burning stove or a, I don't know, I don't know what cooks. I, I have no idea. I don't know. But I do know this. This is the second time, so it is, and we all know this is going on. We all know. Do as I say, not as I do. It's what I used to tell my kids. Just because I act like an idiot doesn't mean you get to act like an idiot. Do as I say. Not as I do, and that's apparently where we're at. This makes sense to me, this next one. A hot rumor of late has Michigan looking at Brian Kelly if Coach Harbaugh decides to leave and go to the NFL. This makes sense to me. 
Like, it, automatically, people don't like Brian Kelly. Now, I told you this. One of my best friends growing up, still one of my best friends, was Brian Kelly's roommate. They were both graduate assistants at uh, Grand Valley State. And my, my friend is in Hollywood. He, he makes movies. But Kelly went on to be the coach at Grand Valley State. And obviously, Brian Kelly has been a very, very big success in the world of college football. And people just don't like And I got to tell you, my friend didn't like He's got a picture of Brian Kelly in a pig suit that he's waiting for Brian Kelly to act like an idiot and he's going to bring it out and, you know, extort him money. I don't know. He doesn't need the money. But anyway, so Brian Kelly just wins. But when you hear the name Brian Kelly, you're all mad. Like, you're like, ah, oh, he dances. Oh, he had a fake accent. Oh, he whatever. All I know is this. If I'm Michigan and Jim Harbaugh leaves, who are you getting? Like, who are you getting? That, you see, people always say, I don't want this guy. And that's, that's great. But who are you getting? Here's what you do as a, an athletic director. And you've already done this. And I, and, I, and I know Ward Manuel. And I know Ward Manuel is very smart. In the top drawer, you have your list of guys that you're going to contact the minute you think your coach might leave. And I guarantee you, these coaches have already been contacted. I've told you the story. Steve Alford was at Iowa. Steve Alford and I played together. We're very good friends. The athletic director at New Mexico calls me in the middle of the year, says, hey, man, can you talk to Steve, see if he'd be interested in New Mexico? Here's what we got. It's a great deal, blah, 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 blah. I call Steve. Hey, Steve, New Mexico. Yeah, I'm in. Okay. They, they end up talking. They end up having meetings. It goes throughout the entire season. That's just what you do. So it's not like if there is a rumor out there about Brian Kelly, I'm going to tell you two things that one of which is absolutely true, and I'm not sure which, probably both. One, somebody, whether it was Michigan, putting a little bit of a squeeze on Harbaugh, making them know, look, we're going to get a good coach in here if you leave, or it was Brian Kelly's agent putting it out there. Or two, two, it was, hey, look, I've already talked to Brian Kelly. I don't know how it got out. But you do that. I did this as a head coach. As a head coach, I had a stack of assistant coaches' uh, emails on my desk, and I would go through, or not emails, resumes on my desk, and I would go through them. That's what you do. So those of you that are saying, I don't want Brian Kelly, who you want? I mean, who, who, who would you like? And you can screw this up. You know, they screwed it up with Rich Rodriguez. You can screw this up bad. Look at where Michigan State is right now. I mean, they hired a guy for whatever the reason they hired Mel Tucker. Well, look where they're at. You've got a pretty solid guy in Brian Kelly who's not going to cheat. He's not going to embarrass you. You should beg Brian Kelly, truthfully, to come to Michigan if you're Michigan. Because, again, the question becomes, who are you going to get? I'm just saying. Uh, this is a scary story. These things never really end well. I'm not the biggest baseball guy other than the Cubs. I love the Cubs. I mean, I am love I love baseball. I love the Cubs, but I don't know every player. But I did know Wander Franco. He was not found in his home during multiple police raids among, uh, amid an investigation of an alleged relationship with a minor. Now, look. Can we start the pendulum? Uh, can we stop... As I'm getting older, can we stop the pervy old man take and start going to pervy young athlete take? Like, who's more pervy, old man or young athlete? Because it wasn't Josh Giddy, wasn't that guy with the uh, Timberwolves, wasn't he, you know, dating a 10-year-old or whatever, a 15-year-old? I don't know what the hell she was. 
I'm starting to, you know what? I'm starting to think that lady in Florida that went in front of the school board and said we should have National Sugar Daddy and Sugar Mama Day was onto something. I do. At least pervy old men keep it above the line. I mean, come on. But these athletes are starting to lose their mind. Now, here's the problem. The problem you have is with today's interest, and I'm not just talking about as a baseball player. I'm talking about as an athlete. I'm talking about social media. I'm talking about all these things. Man, oh, man, do people think they are invincible. And all you got to do is look at this. I was thinking about this today. A friend of mine uh, knows Isaiah Rogers. Isaiah Rogers is the kid that uh, got kicked off the Colts or kicked out of the NFL for gambling early in the year. And Isaiah Rogers uh, told somebody, a friend of a friend, you know what, I realize I really wasn't that important. The NFL's still going on. Oh, Wanda Franco's a superstar by all accounts. You know what's going to happen to Major League Baseball? You know what's going to happen with the Tampa Bay Rays? They're going to keep going on. Chances are they're going to keep winning. Why? Because that's what they do. You know, it is amazing. And in this day and age, man, you get so many people, particularly when you're on the right side of the media. Like, Kelly in Vegas is on the right side of the media. Kelly in Vegas can show up and there's going to be 15 articles on her in the Athletic, in the USA Today, in the Las Vegas Review, in the Nashville, Tennessee, and whatever the hell it is. I show up and there's going to be, well, Dockage is a misogynist, racist, you know, it's just what it is. But when you believe the stuff that said good about you, a lot of times, certainly as a you know, young kid, you, you don't realize that it's all nonsense, both ways. And if you believe it, then you end up in trouble. So I hope this ends up well, but I'm telling you, I feel like these things never end up well. How could this end up well? You know, people say, well, he's young. Okay, but here you sit and a guy who is young, who is famous, is not found in his home when police are raiding him. So even if he wasn't in his home, home, it wasn't going to end well because police are there investigating you with an underage girl. Bad business, man. Just, man, do yourself a favor. Just, what did my brother tell me? Act like you're being videotaped every moment. And I do, except when I got to go to the bathroom. Then all bets are off, particularly when I'm outside. Houston uh, Texans picked up free safety Kareem Jackson one day after being released by the Broncos. Now, this dude, all he does is hit people late. All he does is smack people. This dude has been fined $90,000 this year alone. 90K. Now, you know, here's the deal. I never forget. I've told you this story before. Isaiah Thomas, myself, Coach Knight, were sitting in the room. Isaiah was the head of the Players Association. And the two things he said that really stuck with me. He said, you know, we make a lot of money, obviously. Now, not the money that they make now, but 52% of all of your money as an NBA player is gone by the time you get it, 52 cents on a dollar. And he said, you know, the other thing that people really don't understand, and I think about this when I see $90,000 for Kareem Jackson, that's real money out of a guy's pocket. 90K for just being a maniac is a lot of money. And yet, you know what? Because the guy is a hard hitter, because a team will always take a guy that has a reputation of being toughness, he gets another job and good for him. Forbes magazine, Mark Cuban's Mavericks, uh, the sale to casino magnate Miriam Adelson, who I really like. She's a badass. I like her a lot. She's a casino lady. She ain't messing around. She's got a majority stake now of approximately $3.5 billion. And somehow, some way, Cuban has retained the head of basketball operations. Now, I don't know why she would do this. It's not like Cuban has led the Dallas Mavericks to like eight bazillion championships. 
And if I ran a team, if I spent $3.5 billion on anything, I don't care what it is, I want to, well, I want control of the team. I want control of everything. I would control the entire deal. I'd be like, all right, now I don't like the water we're serving. Now, Bill Polian, when he was a general manager of the Colts, uh, controlled everything. My college roommate ran the, the Hoosier Dome. And one time, Polian grabbed him because the temperature in the visitor's locker room wasn't hot enough. He was pissed. The temperature was too comfortable for his visitor, so the guy running the Hoosier Dome caught the brunt of it. That's control. If I spend $3.5 billion, I want control, period. That's it. Don't at me. All right, last thing. Rob Gronkowski, he's not impressed. He, he, he's, he's telling you what I've been telling you about Micah Parsons. I've had enough of Micah Parsons. Yeah, I've had enough. I mean, look, Micah Parsons is great. I love watching him play football. But he's kind of doing what Draymond Green's doing. And I guess I don't blame him. I'm just an old guy yelling at the, at the wind, I suppose. But Gronk's a young, hip guy. Here's what Gronk had to say about Micah Parsons. It's really weird that he's tweeting that out there. First, there's a, there's a saying out there. Losers focus on winners, and winners focus on winning. And if you want to be a winner, you just got to focus on winning. It's really, really weird because in this case, though, Michael, Michael Parsons, Michael Parsons is one of the best defensive players in the league. He might win defensive player of the year this year, but on top of it, it's a team game. It doesn't matter how good you are as an individual. It matters about a team. And it's weird that he's tweeting that after a loss versus Miami in Miami. And then he's tweeting that about a team that absolutely dismantled the Cowboys when they played them this year. Yeah, the conversation was about Brock Purdy, and Gronk's not wrong. He's not wrong. The one thing I would like to see, because, look, I don't watch every team. Like, when the Titans are on, I'm not going to say I stop and watch, but I do watch the Cowboys. I do. You know, I watch the Colts, I watch the Bears, grew up on that. But I do watch the Cowboys, so the Cowboys being good piques my interest. I want the Cowboys to be good because I want to watch them. But, man, he's right. Focus on winning. I mean, damn. Who cares what your what your thought is on Brock Purdy? Who cares what you? We, we will care. You're a good-looking guy. You're a smart guy. You're involved socially, so we will care. But yeah, you're in the prime of your career. Go win three or four championships, and all this stuff is nonsense. You get to go do what Tom Brady does: sign like a hundred million dollar media contract and not even have to do media. Like, hey, hey Kelly, serious question: When does Tom Brady start with Fox? None, right? I thought he was supposed to be on this year. I thought he was fall of next year. All right. I just remember when he signed, everybody's like, oh, man, he's going to be in the booth. And that guy Olsen was nervous. That'll be Micah Parsons. He's a smart, good-looking dude. Do that. Damn. That's just old guy. Anyway, woke and dope me. Come on, woke and dope me. What do we got? Oh, man. That's a different kind of Me Too movement. I voted for Biden. Oh, man, Me Too. (laughs) Oh, it's so true. I had a friend. I would tell you about my friend, Freddie Viana. Freddie Viana, he's a defense attorney. And married, three kids, the whole catastrophe. And he put out one of the funniest tweets. And I think this is irreverent. But, you know, he's got MS and he's in a wheelchair, so he can do whatever he wants. But he's like, hey, Dan, check out my tweet. I go, yeah, okay. I looked at it. He goes, hey, I've been in law for 35 years. I've had secretaries. I've had interns. And not one time has anybody ever hit on me at the workplace. 
Hashtag, why not me too? I kind of like it. Every time I see me too. Next! Oh, yeah. That's right. A whole lot of nothing. If socialism was a beer. A lot of foam, a lot of nothing. Man. Next! I don't know if I had anything for that one. The nut crackhead sweet. Oh, can you guys tell me who all of the participants are? I see Hunter there. Uh, man, that picture of Hunter Biden. I, you know, he's got the scarf. I'm gonna say that's a diaper. I don't. Somebody may say it's a tidy whitey. I'm going with diaper. The more I look at that, the more I just think diaper. And who, by the way, just a thought. Who in the hell? Films themselves as much doing stupid stuff as Hunter Biden. Like, if you're going to get a hooker, like, I'm not strip club guy. I've never been strip club guy. I've never been porn guy. I've never been hooker guy. I always think, you know, that's, I'm going to hell. I got Catholic guilt. It drives me crazy. But I'm not sure I would film it. I Who does this? But he's the smartest guy you know. I don't know who all these people are in it, but I do like it. It's the Nutcracker Suite, which I have a story about that too. My brother, my dad, my mom made us go to the Nutcracker Suite. My dad said, hey, I'm bringing cards. So we sat in the stands at the Nutcracker, wherever you sit in the, in the theater, and my dad, my brother, and I played war. And then I looked over and my dad was asleep, and my mother did not talk to a, the three of us for like a week and didn't make no food. Said, you're on your own. You guys are jackasses. I don't like you. I'm trying to get you cultured. And away we go. All right, today's the greatest gambling day ever. Kelly, give me one. Give me one. I feel bad. Rutgers has already moved too many points. You don't like Rutgers anymore? I know. I, I'm, I'm driving. I got a four-hour drive, so I'm going to watch on the ESPN app. I'm going to watch these games, and I am – Boston College playing at home doesn't matter to me. Well, Kelly and I are going to continue this conversation. I forgot that there was a show going on, but hey, thanks to everybody. Uh, Molly and Brooke, no longer am I thanking Ryan, by the way. Ryan is out. Tyler, thank you very much. Nick and Nick, the Flying Knicks. Thank you, guys. Aaron, of course, Gary, and the rest of the crew. Have a great afternoon, Kelly, and who are you hosting with? Hutton, most handsome man in broadcasting, according to our YouTube chat, Gritty, the uh, the social or the um, the female commissioner of our YouTube chat, and the lovely, the uber-talented, uber-talented, Kelly in Vegas, Kelly Stewart.